Welcome to Word to the Mother, a retrospective on 90s R&B and hip-hop. Here's your host, your girl, Charlie D. Welcome to my show. I am your host, just a girl from Baltimore, hiding in her basement from her husband and her two boys, to listen, to discuss, and to reminisce about the greatest decade for hip-hop and R&B music. The 90s. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Today's artist has been regarded as one of the most influential rappers of all time. He is one of the best-selling artists with over 75 million records sold and was also a successful actor. Music journalist Chuck Phillips described him as an artist who, quote, helped elevate rap from a crude street fed to a complex art form, shaping the stage for the current global hip-hop phenomenon, end quote. The artist I'm talking about today is Tupac Shakur. Oh, yeah. I get around. Still clown with the underground when we come around. to our featured artists let's go back in time to november 1991 when tupac's debut album dropped and revisit what else was hot back then okay in music history november 91 michael jackson's black or white video debuted showing us for the first time the morphing effect y'all remember that at the end of the video when everybody's face is like morphed into the next face into the next face it's in the next face tyra banks was in it and i remember being like how the hell she get in there? <laughs> but uh, at the time, it was like, you know, real big technology. They made a whole big thing about it. It was a huge debut. You know, once again, Michael was trying to, uh, I guess, surpass the success of Thriller with each album release. He did try. Um, it was a cool video. Um, at the same time, the whole album Dangerous was released November 91. In other album releases, you had Lisa Stansfield's second album. This was called Real Love. It was the one that had this song, All Woman. I remember the song, All Woman, but this is not the one that had been around the world and nah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. That, that's the big one, right? No, this was her second album. Uh, another album released in November 91 was Tevin Campbell's Tevin, or T-E-V-I-N, not sure. It was his debut album, which had this song, round and round and i think i taped that one off the radio and played it on my little pink 
boom box yeah okay for the youngins that's how we did it when we wanted to listen to a song again without buying it you had to have a tape recorder and wait for the radio to play it and like be ready with a blank cassette tape a cassette tape you know what just google it that's music history y'all just just google it anyway i remember playing that song over and over and i believe he was a prodigy of quincy jones really cool song he was really young back then really cool um, in hot singles of November 91, we had PM Dawn's Set Adrift on Memory Bliss. Let me write this one down because PM Dawn, yes, sir. Good stuff there. Um, Prince, cream, get on top, cream, you will come. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, I'm over that one. <laughs> Another single was Karen White's Romantic. I don't know this song, but it's Karen. Remember Karen White? She did a, I'm not your superwoman. Sorry, I don't know Romantic, but she had another single that came out in November 91. That's lovely for her. Moving on to movies released. Um, and there's actually a lot of good ones here. The first one was Strictly Business with Tommy Davidson. I actually love Tommy Davidson. Back in the 90s, we had um, he had a couple of tape stand-up comedy shows, and I think there was one called Straight Out of Philly or something like that. And I taped it off of cable. Yeah, for the kids, we also had these things called videotapes. We could play them on um, these things called VCRs. That's a video cassette recorder, and that's we did the same thing that you do with the radio, but like on cable. If you wonder, Google this your friend. Um, so I used to tape his stand-up comedy shows he had two i believe they came on hbo and i remember watching them over and over and over during the summer months knowing them line by line tommy davidson is really underrated he's funny as all hell i know he's still out there doing his thing if he came locally i would love to see him but he he cracked me the hell up he was so so funny another good movie that came out around this time was cape fear this one was with robert de niro Nick Nolte, Jessica Lange, and Juliette Lewis. So good. I think at the time, there's a lot of these t- these types of thrillers that came out. Um, although I think this one is a remake of a movie that came out decades before. But Robert De Niro, honey, and he was looking kind of good in that one too. Cut. He was cut. I was peeking. I was looking at him. Still, I still like De Niro. Um, another good one that came out in November 91 was The Addams Family with Angelica Houston and the late great Raul Julia. Loved it. I remember walking away from that movie thinking I really loved Raul Julia's um, interpretation of Gomez. He was just so romantic. Loved him. Um, another one, which is one of my top three Disney movies, and that is Beauty and the Beast. Okay, very quick story. When this movie came out, I was a full-on teenager. I guess I was 13, 14-ish, and I had a, a niece who was probably like five or six or seven. I don't know. My mom would buy all these videotapes. I'm not even going to go back and explain videotapes again. And me being a teenager, I wasn't really into it. I didn't really want to watch it. I was into my whole teenage thing. I didn't give a damn about children's programming. Um, short, long story short, she put this thing on and within five minutes, I was just in love with it. I love the story, love the graphics. It still is up there with my, my top three Disney movies. I still love the story. I think it's really beautiful. So I did get sucked into them, that one as a teenager. And lastly, and this is a really popular one that I know everyone is familiar with. And that is My Girl 
with Macaulay Culkin and Anna Klumski. Tearjerker, but a very sweet movie. It's, it's also really cool to see Macaulay is still acting and doing great, and Anna, who was on the series, the HBO series Veep, grown up but still has the same baby girl face and the biggest blue eyes. It's just good to see them growing up, but also doing really well. Wasn't sure about Macaulay for a while, but I, I think he's doing well now. So that was November 91. Now, before we get to Tupac, let's get to the feature song of the week. Released in December 1992, this song seemed to become a fast hit with this catchy hook and fun video. This one gets regular airplay on my 90s playlist, and that is Positive K's I Got a Man. to do with me i told you i'm not trying to hear that see the song i got a man would be the first single off positive k's second album skills to pay the bills so one fun fact about this song that i didn't know is that positive k actually voiced both the man and the woman in this dialogue song but by raising the pitch of his voice for the female role using studio technology never even realized that anyway i sang along with this one as everyone else did but when it came on, here's the lyric that always got me. My man says the same, except he's sincere. While I'm clean cut and dapper, that's what I'm about. My man buys me things and he takes me out. Well, you can keep your man because I don't go that route. Say what now? Huh? Okay, so you want to be my man, but you ain't trying to take me out? Like, never? Okay, bye, Positive K. Bye. <laughs> How about when he says, you got a man, you got a what? How long you had that problem? How about the past four or five minutes, you've been my problem, perpetrating like you trying to beat my man, but you ain't trying to take me out and not eat him a gift, not even on holidays, not even my birthday, not even my anniversary. Bye. Bye. Bye, okay. <laughs> no, this song is all fun, but that always makes me eye roll like, boy, bye. Wasting my time with this. I thought you was being serious. Of course, being a hot 90s song, there are some hot samples to be had. Because what hot 90s songs didn't have hot samples? This song had three. The first one is the obvious one, which gives us the main sound and beat. And that is a song called Rescue Me from the group A Taste of Honey. right right the second sample is more subtle but you'll know it when you hear it, and it's a tiny selection from the group take six from their song spread love and the third sample is also another popular clip used in over 60 other tracks, including Jay-Z's Girls, 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 
LL Cool J's The Jingling Baby, Go Ahead Baby. And I swear I heard this in SWV's Anything Remix. And that is a snippet from a song called High Power Rap by a group called Crash Crew. Girls, 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 it's girls I can ignore. I like a sweet and kind, intelligent and fine. It's them I do adore. With class and style, I make it work the while and I take one. But you can keep your man because I don't go that route. I'm still not past that. Tell me that's not familiar. Daryl Gibson was born on August 8th, 1967 in the Bronx, New York, and spent much of his childhood where many early hip hop pioneers were hosting block parties, rappers such as DJ Grandmaster Flash and Busy B. He was once invited up to the mic to perform a rap with the Fearless Four who were performing in his neighborhood and he grew up rapping with his cousins under the name of Baby Breeze. He later joined a rap group called the Almighty God Committee using the name Positive Knowledge Allah. But when the group folded after a bad performance, he decided to move solo, but shortened his stage name to just Positive K. He dropped his debut album, Getting Paid, from an indie label, but it wasn't until later that he found success with a duet he did with MC Light called I'm Not Having It. Soon after, he worked with Big Daddy Kane and did guest spots for the brand Nubians, which then landed him a major label deal. The album That Paid the Bills was released in 1992 on Island Records and the song reached number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100. Positive K went on to perform on the track Come to Butthead for the Beavis and Butthead Experience soundtrack, and he had a cameo on the Robert De Niro film A Bronx Tale. After this, Positive K focused on other entrepreneurial interests and started his own promotion company, handling promotions for Island Records and Def Jam recordings. He also worked with Outkast and Puff Daddy. Eventually, he took a break from music, but was supposed to release a new album in the late 90s, but it never materialized. It seems throughout the years, Positive K continued to create music, but sadly, nothing has duplicated the success of I Got A Man. The song peaked at number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100 and sold over 500,000 copies. And now, on to the featured artist. Tupac Amaru Shakur was born on June 16, 1971 in New York City, and I was today years old when I found out that was not his original name. He was actually originally named, bear with me, Lassane Parrish Crooks or Lasane Parrish Crooks, but he was renamed at one year old after Tupac Amaru II, a leader of the Andrian Uprising in the late 1700s that fought for the rights of indigenous people. His mother explained that, quote, I wanted him to have the name of revolutionary indigenous people in the world. I wanted him to know that he was a part of a world culture and not just from a neighborhood, end quote. Tupac had an older brother, Mo Prem Kamani Shakur, and a half-sister, Sakiwa, who was two years younger. Tupac was born into a family with several connections with the Black Panther political party. His mother, Afene Shakur, and his father, Billy Garland, had been active members of the Black Panther Party since the late 1960s and early 70s. His mother was also a part of a famous Panther 21 trial and was acquitted of over 150 charges. His stepfather, Matulu Shakur, spent four years on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted Fugitives list for a 1981 robbery of a Brinks armored truck, of which he was convicted. 
and his godfather, Elmo Geronimo Pratt, a high-ranking Black Panther, was also convicted of murdering a school teacher in a robbery. In 1984, Tupac's family moved from New York City to Baltimore, where he eventually enrolled in the Baltimore School for the Arts, where he studied drama, poetry, jazz, and ballet. It's kind of hard to believe that ballet, but so it is. At the time, he acted in Shakespeare's plays and developed an interest in poetry, which would evolve into writing and performing rap rhymes. He began entertaining his classmates with his rhymes and won several competitions as he was able to mix humor in with his lyrics. It was also at the School of Arts that he met and befriended a budding drama student, Jada Pinkett. Jada would be quoted as saying this about Tupac, that he was, quote, one of my best friends. He was like a brother. It was beyond friendship for us. The type of relationship we had, you only get that once in a lifetime, end quote. In 1989, he began recording under the stage name MC New York, and once he got a manager, he booked a concert for himself and his rap group, Strictly Dope. Soon enough, he caught the attention of Atron Gregory, the manager of the rap group Digital Underground. He was hired initially as their roadie and backup dancer. In 1991, Tupac debuted with a new stage name spelled with the number 2 and P-A-C and performing now with Digital Underground and under the label Interscope Records. He was featured on the song, Same Song, which was included on the soundtrack to the Dan Aykroyd film, Nothing But Trouble. This, Tupac, go ahead and rock Now this. I clown around when I hang around with the underground. Girls used to frown, say I'm down when I come around. Gas me, and when they pass me, they used to diss me. Harass me, but now they ask me if they can kiss me. Get some fame, people change, want to live their life high. Same song, can't go wrong if I play the nice guy. Claiming fame must have changed now that we became strong. I remain still the Why same, because it's the same song. And all this is funny because while I definitely remember when the song came out, it's one I have completely forgotten about, and the fact that Tupac's verse was my favorite part of the song. Apparently, Digital Underground did appear in the movie, but I cannot recommend it because it was awful. Do not recommend zero stars. Pass on that one. Now, in November 1991, Tupac would release his debut album titled Tupacalypse Now, which would feature three singles. The first single released in September 91 is called Trapped. Then I said I had enough. There must be another route way out to money and fame. I changed my name, played a different game. Tired of being trapped in this business cycle. If one more cop harasses me, I just might go psycho. And when I get him, I hit him with a bum rush. Only a lunatic would like to see a score crush. Yo, if you're smart, you really let me go cheap. But keep me cooped up in this ghetto and catch the Uzi. They got me trapped. Okay, I have never heard of this song before until now. The song was about police brutality, but I didn't see any chart information, so I'm assuming it didn't chart. Now, the second single was the first one I heard from him and one I always assumed was his first single, and that is Brenda's Got a Baby.
can Shame, the girl can hardly spell her name That's not our problem, that's up to Brenda's family Well let me show you how it affects our whole community Now Brenda really never knew her moms And her dad was a junkie putting death into his arms It's sad cause I bet Brenda doesn't even know Just cause you're in the ghetto doesn't mean you can't grow But oh, that's a vote, my own now, this one really resonated with me because I was already begin to observe many girls in my school and my environment who were already getting pregnant, many while living in poverty. The hook was sung by R&B singer Dave Hollister and Ronnie's Livia, as Tupac talks about a 12-year-old girl who becomes pregnant while living in the ghetto and no way to support her child. Tupac also goes on to describe her situation and how she is affected by the lack of support from her family and her community. Apparently, he wrote this um, inspired by an actual news article he saw about a case exactly like this. I can see this video definitely caught my attention because it was an incredibly sad tale of a young girl molested, neglected, and forced to make some difficult and desperate decisions. Tupac started out giving a voice to the impoverished. It peaked at number 7 on the Hot Rap Songs chart and number 23 on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart. The third single off the debut album is If My Homies Call. Enemies, but when you need a friend, you can depend on me. Call. If you need my assistance, there'll be no resistance. I'll be there in an instant. Who am I to judge another brother? Only on this cover. I'll be no different than the others. A to the O to the M to the I to the E. I'm down to the E. This is another I hadn't heard about either, but it did have a video set in black and white and he performed the song on Yo! MTV Raps. The song also peaked at number 3 on the rap singles chart. The Tupacalypse album was not without some controversy as then Vice President Dan Quayle criticized it stating that it had no place in society. Boy, if you don't get Tupac, feeling his messages were misunderstood, had this to say about the criticism, quote, I just want to wrap up all things that affected young black males. When I said that, I didn't know I was going to tie myself down to take all the blunts and hits for all young black males, to be the media's kicking boast for young black males, end quote. The album Tupacalypse now, regardless, went gold, selling half a million copies. Take that, Dan Quayle. In 1993, Tupac released his second album, Strictly for My Niggas. The word N-I-G-G-A is a backronym for Never Ignorant and Getting Goals Accomplished. This album featured guest appearances by Digital Underground, Ice Cube, Ice-T, Tretch, and Apache, and featured four singles. The first single released in February uses two samples one from a track called do it any way you wanna by the group people's choice and the other from the public enemy song rebel without a pause 
In the song, Tupac spoke on his own experiences with police injustice and observations on black poverty, but also on rebelling against oppressors, hustling to get by and bearing arms. Time Magazine wrote that this song resonated with many disaffected youth. The song title was also used as the title on the Michael Eric Dyson biography on Tupac's life, as well as the name of the non-biographical musical, which was later produced on Broadway by Tupac's mother. The song also appeared in the movie Above the Rim. The next single is probably my personal fave from him, and that is I Get Around. Oh yeah. I get around. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Stronger than ever. Back to get wrecked. All respect to those who break their neck to keep their hopes in check. Cause though they sweat a brother majorly. And I don't know why your girl keeps paging me. She tell me that she needs me. Cries when she leaves me. And every time she sees me, she squeeze me. Lady, take it easy. Hate to sound sleazy, but tease me. I don't want it if it's that easy. Hey, yo, bust it. This song is just fun, which is my speed. This will always have regular rotation in my 90s mixes. I just love the beat, the samples, the fun lyrics. Mm. <laughs> yes. Okay, there's two samples to mention here. The first is Gangsta's Step in the Arena. Once you step in the arena, cheetah. Right? That one is obvious. The next one I would never place, which is crazy because I am very familiar with the song, but it's Computer Love by Zap. Okay, I had to listen to that one more time because I was still unsure, but okay, I, I see what they did there. Creative as hell. My favorite lyrics from the song. Cause hoes, they sweat a brother majorly and I don't know why the girls keep paging me to tell me what she needs me, cries when she leaves me and every time she sees me, they squeeze me. Lady, take it easy. Hate to sound sleazy, but tease me. I don't want to hit the sack easy. And yo, bust it. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's my part. That's my part. I like that. Digital Underground Shock G wrote in his book, How to Rap, that Tupac wrote the lyrics to the beat and also Ghost wrote his own verses as well. I Get Around peaked at number 11 on the Hot 100, spent 25 weeks on the charts and was certified gold, selling 700,000 copies. The next single out in October 1993 is Keep Your Head Up. Say the black of the belly, the sweet of the juice. I say the dark of the flesh and the deep of the roots. I give my holler to my sister's own welfare. Tupac kids, if don't nobody else care. And uh, I know they like to beat you down a lot. And when you come around the block, brothers clown a lot. But please don't cry, dry your eyes, never let up. Forgive, but don't forget, girl, keep your head Okay, two prominent samples for this one. The first one is another one from Zap, and that gave us the beat with the song Be Alright. 
never heard the Zap song, so this is impressive to me. The other sample is the more obvious one, and that is the song Ooh Child from the Five Stair Steps, which I'm sure most people are familiar with. This song speaks directly to black women struggling in our society, and I always sang along with this one and appreciated the message in the lyrics, particularly the lines, to all the ladies having babies on their own, I know it's kind of rough and you're feeling all alone. Daddy's long gone and he left you by your lonesome. Thank the Lord for my kids, even nobody else want them. Because I think we can make it, in fact, I'm sure. And if you fall, stand tall and come back for more. Always love that. And also this. And since we all came from a woman, got a name from a woman, and a game from a woman... I wonder why we take from our women, why we rape our women. Do we hate our women? I think it's time we kill for our women, time to heal for our women, be real for our women. And if we don't, we'll have a race of babies that'll hate the ladies that make the babies. And since a man can't make one, he has no right to tell a woman when or where to create one. So will the real men get up? I know you're fed up, ladies, but keep your head up. Mm. I have to add, when this came out, I liked it, but in 2021, it hits so much harder than it did back then. But thank you, Pac. It's real. Still applies to this day. I love it. Dave Hollister sang on this one again, and this one reached number two on the Hot Rap Songs chart and number 12 on the Hot 100. The last single from this album was Papa's Song. The song featured Tupac's older stepbrother Mo Prem Shakur under the stage name Wicked and the video featured Vivica A. Fox. It peaked at number 24 on the Hop Rap Songs chart. The album Strictly For My Niggas was generally reviewed positively with the source calling it, quote, a combination of 60s black political thought and 90s urban reality. Tupac is not afraid to speak his mind. Balancing the gangster tendencies of street life with insightful revelations, end quote. The album went on to sell over 1.6 million copies and was re-released on the 25th anniversary on February 16th, 28 time. In 1993, Tupac formed the rap group Thug Life with his stepbrother Mo Prem Shakur, Tyrus Big Psych Himes, Walter Rated R Burns, and Dyron Macadocious Rivers. They released two singles, Out a Little Liquor, and the song Cradle to the Grave. Their album, Thug Life Volume 1, went gold. In March 1994, Tupac released his fourth studio album, Me Against the World. Released when Tupac was imprisoned, this release debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 and will go on to be considered his magnum opus, or his most important work. It had three singles. The first drop in February 1995 was Dear Mama. Tell me how you did it. There's no way I can pay you back. But the place-
minutes to show you that I understand. You all appreciate it. A tribute to his mother, Afeni, the song speaks on his childhood poverty and his mother's addictions, but how his deep love and respect for her supersedes all the negativity. In 2009, the song was added to the National Recording Registry in the Library of Congress as a work that is culturally, historically, or aesthetically important, and it's also been ranked on several best of lists. In a press release, the organization referred to the song as, quote, a moving and eloquent homage to both the murdered rapper's own mother and all mothers struggling to maintain a family in the face of addiction, poverty, and societal indifference, end quote. It went on to become certified platinum and stayed on the top of the Billboard Hot 100 for five weeks, peaking at number nine. The second single from this album was a song called So Many Tears. Released in June 1995, this one reached number 6 on the U.S. Hot Rap Songs and number 44 on the Hot 100. And just two months later, he released his third single from the album titled Temptations. This song had a music video for it, but Tupac did not appear in it at all since he was incarcerated at the time. Okay, about this incarceration, really quickly. In December 94, Tupac was convicted of first-degree sexual abuse, and in February 95, he was sentenced to 18 months to four and a half years in prison. He would be released pending a judicial appeal in October 95, and after Suge Knight posted the $1.4 million bail in exchange, Tupac would sign with Suge's Death Row Records. The album Me Against the World was described as one of his most introspective works. Tupac was aiming to create something that was more personal and spoke more on his demons and personal struggles. The album would go on to be regarded as one of the most influential rap albums and it sold 250,000 copies its first week but went on to sell 3 million copies. In February 1996, Tupac released his fourth studio album All Eyes On Me a double disc set which would meet two of his three album contract with death row the theme of this album focused more on the gangster lifestyle and partying which was a departure from his earlier more socially conscious and introspective works the album featured four singles with the first released in december 1995 and that was california love
As the first single released after his incarceration, this song featured Dr. Dre and Roger Troutman, part of the famous duo Zap of Computer Love fame. I think it's noteworthy that Pac got Troutman considering how much of his music sampled Zap, as well as many other 90s artists. This was a big hit for Tupac, reaching number one on the Hot 100. There's also a few cool samples on this one. The first one is a surprise to me since I would never think of this artist, but it's singer Joe Cocker and the song is Woman to Woman. This supplies the main tune that we hear. right? The next one is more obvious as it supplies the main hook and it's from a group called Ronnie Hudson and the Street People. It's called West Coast Pop Lock. As a side note, it's always funny to me to sing a song and then find out some years later that not only was the main hook a sample, but the whole damn thing is from another song. <laughs> the last sample is, of course, from Zap, and it's called Dance Floor. How can we have a song without a zap sample? Like, okay. No, I'm for it. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm 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 here for Zap all the day as long. Apparently, Tupac's good friend Jada Pinkett gave him the idea for the music video, inspired by the 1986 film Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome. Jada apparently was originally supposed to direct the video, but dropped out and Hype Williams took her place. California Love was nominated for several awards, including Best Rap Performance by a Duo or Group at that year's Grammys and Best Rap Video at the MTV Video Music Awards. It was rated number 51 on VH1's Greatest Songs of the 90s and number 10 on MTV's 100 Greatest West Coast Videos. It was also the 11th best single at the annual critics poll of The Village Voice. In May 1996, Tupac released the next single, Two of America's Most Wanted. Ain't nothing but against the party. Oh shit. You done fucked up now. You done put two of America's Most Wanted in the same motherfucking place at the same motherfucking time. Y'all niggas about to feel this. Break out the champagne glasses and motherfucking condoms. Have one on us, alright? This 
song was released as a promotional track featuring Snoop Dogg and Daz Dillinger and was the B-side to the song How Do You Want It, which was released the very next month in June 96. In a strong way, your body is banging, baby. I love it when you're flown. It's time to give it to daddy, nigga. Now tell me how you roll it. Casey and Jojo on the vocals, this song would also reach number one on the Hot 100 and number 17 in the UK. It was also nominated for Best Rap Performance by a Duo or Group at the 97 Grammys. This would also end up being the last single released during Tupac's lifetime. On the night of September 7, 1996, Tupac was in Las Vegas celebrating a business partner's birthday where he attended a boxing match between Mike Tyson and Bruce Seldon at the MGM Grand. Also in attendance was Suge Knight. After the match, Tupac left with Suge, stopping by his hotel room, then heading to the nightclub Club 662, owned by Suge. They were traveling in a black BMW 750 sedan along with several other cars. At 11.15 p.m., a white Cadillac sedan pulled up to the passenger side of the BMW and opened fire at the car. Tupac was struck four times, once in the arm, another in the thigh, and twice in the chest, one entering his right lung. Bullet shards also hit Suge Knight. Tupac was then rushed to the University Medical Center of Southern Nevada, where he was soon heavily sedated and put on life support. It was on the afternoon of September 13th, four days after the shooting, when Tupac succumbed to his injuries and was pronounced dead at 4 p.m. The official causes of death were respiratory failure and cardiopulmonary arrest from multiple gunshot wounds. He was cremated the following day. As for the leads on the killer, while a Compton Crip gang member was looked at as a suspect, it was confirmed that he was not in the area in the time of the shooting. Fingers were also pointed at rapper Notorious B.I.G., but he also had a solid alibi at the time. In 2011, the FBI released information on an investigation which revealed an extortion scheme and death threats made to Tupac by the Jewish Defense League, but ultimately, all avenues lead to the evidence being inconclusive. And just two days after his death, his last single from the All Eyes Are Me album was released on September 15th, 1996, and it was
the vocals were sung by singer Danny Boy and the lyrics spoke about losing touch with friends from his youth and how some people turned on him after his success in the end, but he held no grudges and still has nothing but love for them. But the thing that gets me right now is the video. I never saw this one at the time, though I heard the song many, many times on the radio. But the video was apparently shot two weeks before his death and it depicts him leaving a party before being shot and dying in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Tupac raps while wearing a white suit. He enters heaven where he is told they've been waiting for him for a long time, but he needs to earn his way in. He appears back down on earth, guiding a friend through his grief. And at the end, the friend, portrayed by actor Bokeem Woodbine, offers his condolences to Tupac's widow and daughter. I can't believe I didn't know about this video, but I'm a bit shocked to watch it now, especially knowing it came out right after his death. The video is dedicated to his stepfather and godfather, Matulo Shakur and Geronimo Pratt. And the video was rated number 33 on MTV's Top 100 of 1996. The album All Eyes On Me will go on to be certified five times platinum, reaching number one on the Hot 100. It also won the R&B Soul or Rap Album of the Year at the 97 Soul Train Awards. It also won the R&B Soul or Rap Album of the Year at the 97 Soul Train Awards. It won Favorite Rap Hip Hop Artist at the American Music Awards. And by 1998, it went on to nine times platinum. By 2014, 10 times platinum. Tupac is another one of those artists whose catalog is so long I can't really get into everything on this podcast, but I will go over some highlights. Tupac had already completed a fifth studio album called The Dawn Kill Anatomy, The Seven Day Theory, but under the name Machiavelli. It had been written and recorded in under one week in August of 96. MTV went on to rank it one of the greatest hip hop albums ever. It was meant to be more of an underground album, but ended up reaching number one and going four times platinum. There would be seven more albums released for Tupac posthumously from 1997 until 2006, many of them archival productions. Tupac was also an actor and starred in numerous films such as Poetic Justice, Juice, Above the Rim, and the films Bullet, Grit Locked, and Gang Related. So what to say about the legacy of Tupac Shakur? Personally, I've always enjoyed Tupac, loved him in Poetic Justice, and thought he had such pretty eyes. But something about listening to his lyrics now just hits so differently. It's quite amazing, really, the legacy he left and the hard-hitting subjects he spoke on. He had a way of speaking with real truths of life on the streets in one song, and then have you bump into the beat to another fun party song. It's no secret that Tupac had been regarded as one of the greatest rappers of all time. In 97, the University of Berkeley, California had a course titled History 98, Poetry and History of Tupac Shakur. And in 2003, Harvard University had a symposium titled All Eyes on Me, Tupac Shakur and the Search for the Modern Folk Hero. Also in 97, his mother Afini founded the Shakur Family Foundation, which was later named the Tupac Amaru Shakur Foundation or TASF for short, with the mission to, quote, provide training and support for students who aspire to enhance their creative talents, end quote. 
English scholar Mark Anthony Neal also stated that Tupac's death left, quote, a leadership void amongst hip hop artists, end quote, and that Tupac made an intellectual accessible to ordinary people. Rapper 50 Cent was quoted as saying this of Tupac, quote, every rapper who grew up in the 90s owes something to Tupac. Since his death, Tupac has risen to almost mystical levels. He didn't sound like anyone who came before him, end quote. In 2010, Rolling Stone ranked him as number 86 among the 100 greatest artists. I mentioned this quote before, but I, I will say it again. Chuck Phillips was quoted as saying this, quote, Shakur helped elevate rap from a crude street fad to a complex art form, setting the stage for the current global hip hop phenomenon. The slang silence, one of modern music's most eloquent voices, a ghetto poet whose tales of urban alienation captivated young people of all races and backgrounds, end quote. I think he put it perfectly. I have to say, I learned a lot here as I did not know much about Tupac's journey. And I was pretty intimidated about this and doing this episode, but I'm really glad I did. I'm glad to be learning about all these amazing artists. Tupac included. But that does it for me and this episode. Let me know your thoughts on this episode and Tupac on social media. And if not, hey, I ain't mad at you. Sorry, I just had to. Till next time, y'all. Hey, thanks for listening to Word to the Mother. Be sure to find us on Facebook and Twitter. Until the next episode, we out.